Whoa, live, cure, or die. That's there the name of this is. podcast. So yeah. we came out. We came out with a line for the podcast. There it is. We came out with. Oh, this a is the podcast line. Podcast of line. Ooh. Oh. Oh, this one. This Who's is that? Good. So, it's in well, my blood. it's in his blood. Wayne, you probably don't know this. You probably don't watch them all. So, uh, we we got this really expensive drone. I think it was about a hundred and thirty thousand dollar drone. And um, so, uh, Thomas, a master of that thing, and he and Jay are boyfriends. And Jay's out there. He's like, "Hey, Jay, take it for a spin." And then Jay does and abruptly crashes it into a million pieces immediately, instantly. And then, so destroys our brand new drone we had to save up for because it was a lot of money. I think we were on a payment plan. And that he's like, you know, I'm in the Air Force. It's in my blood. And like, you know, I was getting a plane. He's like, I want to be your pilot. Send me to school to be a pilot. And I was like, I thought you were in the Air Force. So like, I built bombs, but I really should be a pilot. And he crashes the drone. <laughs> and that's his thing. It's in my blood. Yeah, we put out a it's podcast not. the day before where I said, I can fly. I'm a pilot, blah, blah, blah. And the next day we had the drone and I oh, smoked goodness. it. So it's a, and this was another one. Yeah, this is the another Mustang, Jayism. Mustangs of New Jersey. So can, can you see it? Is this the right? But uh, it's it's a little crooked, like it's tilted. Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Like yeah. This. So I had heard this thing. He tries to tell us on the podcast there's eighty thousand wild horses in New Jersey more than any other state in the union, and we're like bullshit. So go ahead and tell yourself. Yeah. No, I I had heard this. I misheard it, but I thought I had heard that the one of the largest concentrations of wild horses was in New Jersey. So I confidently told everyone one of the highest concentrations of wild horses in New Jersey. And they're immediately were See, like, no, it's not. This Reddit generation, they think everything they read in the first line of the Internet. Well, the so I brought it up and said, no, look, Mustangs in New Jersey and started reading through it. And I was correcting the number, but that's just how many wild horses are in the country. There are wild horses in New Jersey, but they're in a, like a holding cells, like government. They round them up and then ship them to New Jersey. I have no idea where we were. There's and who cares? Honestly, there's so much to go over. All over the place. Jay, what you got, man? Um. Well, I was curious about the origin of Trilog. Um. And I have this ready. Yes. Because I've heard from a certain source, Kevin Brittingham, <laughs> that it may not have been designed specifically for silencer use it may have been for something else um it was designed originally for muzzle mounted device it uh-uh. devices be it a sound suppressor or a flash hider hk used oh. to make a, a flash hider yeah it looks it looks like the one back there sort yeah. of on the g3 yeah, yeah. and they also because i was think I, I just uh, figured it was originally for the blank adapter but Again, yeah you guys uh, always any, sold any kind of muzzle mounted device including a blank firing adapter yeah. correct mm. Yeah. That's cool. But also, quick attach. So you could right. push it down, rotate it, you're good. Same thing to take it off. Yeah. Whereas threads, it's not so quick. Yeah. That's true. It's true. Very is true. The, is that the right way to do it, Kevin? No. Um. Well, I say no. <laughs> Listen. Um. So in holding that barrel... Uh, like the lugs are the diameter of the barrel where the, you know, the outside of the chamber and where you pin it in the front. So it's not really costing you anything to go larger than the barrel. So that's not bad. And that's a pretty big cut. So machining wise, design wise, not bad. I like that. It's got a taper here, but, um, depends on what you're trying to do. The things they were putting on at the time, I believe, you know, they were probably thinking like whether it's the blank adapter, the flash hider, Alignment's not a huge issue, but they do hold a very tight tolerance here. Yeah. For most companies doing this, not the right way to do it. Yeah. And depends. Like, I don't like to push down <clears throat> and just locks into place stuff because you end up with moving parts. You Some end up with a spring, and, yeah. things right. that get heavier, and you don't get quite the alignment that you can uh, with other systems. And there were some systems where it was still a threaded piece and you loosened it and it slides over and you pull it forward and it tightened it was threads and it would hold it tight with this taper. That's a pretty smart way of doing it. <coughs> but, excuse me. I don't think we would do this now. Yeah. But, you know, like I have questions too. Wait, like the barrel, this is parkerized, right? Correct. And this thing's got a fluted chamber, which we need to mm. talk about. But like, why is this painted? 
just to you give know? it a little bit of protection from the elements. Okay, so yeah, I mean, as opposed to bare metal. Okay, but well, yeah, I guess parkerizing too. That I mean, they could have just parkerized the whole thing. I don't. It always seemed weird that they because I think this is probably part. This is parkerized. I I believe under that paint, but it's it's funny you mentioned that we talked about the MP5 earlier in terms of the different branches of the service that we made it for. Um, there was one version of the MP5 and several other HK firearms that were specifically designed and named for the Navy. There was an MP5 Navy model. Yep, the N. Yeah, The MP5N. One of the things that you can immediately notice on the N model is the threaded barrel. Yep. Another thing was the trigger group. That was something that was specific to the Navy. It was the non-burst ambidextrous uh, trigger group. Okay. Safe, semi, and full auto. Yeah. Those were the characteristics of the MP5 Navy model. And again, some of the other firearms that were considered a Navy model, there you go, yes, yeah, so were, were with a threaded barrel, like the P9S right. and so forth. Yeah, as far as I know, those were the differences. You get this, oh, this trigger. Anyway. You so the regular one you would get this we call it I don't the know, SEF the SEF pack so I, I'm sure that means something in German uh, S is Seizure single fire uh, E is Einzelfire and uh, F is Firestoss so a bunch of German shooting here so but you know this selector I don't this whole design was pretty cool because that comes right out yep and then you can pull the whole trigger mm -hmm. pack out and everything yep. Um, that was cool, but not ambidextrous. And this, yeah, both sides. And then this also has the. Um, this became super trendy, and you weren't cool if you didn't have the yeah. bullet markings. The, the pictogram on there. markings. Yeah, so you know why we did that? Why? Because of all of the different countries that MP5s were sold to. Oh. It make it makes way more sense than putting letters. Yeah. 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 One bullet, many bullets. Yeah. So that was cool, and that's still, but that's a little more difficult because you got to get the selector apart to right. take it out. But mm. it was way better than that three-shot burst pack. Trying to be an armor for that. The other neat thing that a lot of people don't necessarily realize about this is there was a little part that went into the bottom oh, of here. Oh yeah, that held when you had a suppressor on the gun. There was a thread cap that all of the MP5 ends were mm -hmm. shipped with. Yeah. So that the threads wouldn't get damaged if you weren't using a suppressor on so it. So that's why the cap is in there. That's what the cap is for. Oh, I didn't know that. Protector. To hold a thread protector. I just figured there was some goofy cleaning <laughs> kit thing that went in there. So, yeah. Th well, that makes sense. It's funny you say that. There was a cleaning kit that actually went into the pistol grip yeah. of some of the 7.62 and 5.56 oh, five, guns. The Germans used Maybe to use this special pull-through cleaning kit that was small. It used oh, the, yeah. It had, the, like, the chain link thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I do have some of that. Yep. Yeah. Um, and they would otherwise come in the little the little green curved Correct. little plastic boxes. The ones that boxes. fit inside of a case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I'm going to see if I can get this back together, Jay. Start oh, off. There oh, you go. It's oh, K Armor. There you that. go. 1997, class of 97 right here. <laughs> Bam. Yeah, so that's cool stuff. Yeah, that's the Navy one, but you're right. The threaded barrel. Oh, back in the day when you could, you know, for three grand, you could buy a transferable MP5 that was converted from an HK94. Oh, yeah. If you found a Navy barrel with a mm. thread section on there, whoo, premium. That would have brought like $400. <laughs> and, we, and, and HK kind of crossed into a territory that nobody else that I'm aware of was in with the, the firing modes. We had a single fire MP5. We had a zero one two. Oh yeah, you, you guys did have we one had that a was zero just... one three, and then we had of course the Navy, and then we had zero one two and full, hmm. zero one three and full. The yeah. only trigger group that we never had was safe semi two shot burst, three round burst, and full auto. Oh, that's right. There were two round burst trigger. Absolutely, packs. Right. we we developed that for the ten millimeter and the forty caliber. Because I was going to say my forty or ten millimeter, one of those might that's be it. two shot and yeah. one's three shot. Yeah, because they did a study and that third round was useless anyway. It yeah, shoot, shooting a baby in the background. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, zero one twenty. So there you, you, go. you can yeah. tell too, Jay. It's got two holes. So which one's this for? The uh, the the. Fixed stock, the is it is it A one? No, no, the, no. This, oh, caliber. This, this just tells you oh, it's a three hundred eight. Oh, okay. It's got two pins. It's a three hundred eight. 
Oh, yeah, we talked about that with the stock. And then 20 rounds, that tells you G3 mags are 20. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's what we were looking at at the stock. Oh, look at this. Look at this. I didn't even realize this was in here. There we go. Oh. That's oh. It. Where am I glad? Oh, look at this. Trilug. Muzzle device. Oh, yeah. So th- this is not. It's pretty cool. Yeah, but it's got, like, parts and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, I'm not so much worried about alignment with a flash hider. No, or me getting this thing on there. Right. What the heck? Oh, you know what? Is this for? This might be for ten millimeter or something. It, it, uh, oh no! Look at well, I can't tell. No. Can you tell? That says B and T on the bottom, so Ooh. it's a B and T something. That's not. So it's really, it's just really expensive it's and not a, worth it. Yeah, it's it's it's. This is an aftermarket. Edge. Yeah, it's not HK. Yeah. Okay. So. Because yeah. HK actually made those. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought it was in here, but it is not. It's a B and T. Booger and thumbtack. Yeah. <laughs> This is cool too. Like the uh, original. Oh, that one's cool. Wow. Yeah. So that's metal with some kind of plastic or epoxy over it. That was the original handguard for the MP5. I've only yeah. seen photos. Of yeah. It. Before we went to the wide form, you see there. Yeah. You let our kid touch it. Yeah, I've only seen photos of that. <laughs> and, then, and yeah, then the wide one. <laughs> yeah. Which is cool because it stays cooling off. You're out there ripping off all kinds of rounds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this gave you a little bit better heat protection if you shot too many rounds. It's comfortable though. It was. This. It was. Yeah, this one I'm four Meliore with. Oh yeah. I still have this. You know, I don't, I'm not sure, but I think these are. This is cool because look, it's the way HK when you ordered this stuff, it would come. Oh my goodness. So it's like just a Ziploc <laughs> bag, and they would magic marker the part number they would put in there. And this is when you guys went from Benelli to Fab Arms shotguns. Yeah. You know what I think these are, Jay? I think these are like million dollar bills in here. Probably. I don't. I probably have never opened this honestly. It still had the wax paper on. You know what that is? I know what it is. I don't. This is um, P7M13 mags. That's oh. what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. German. Wow. Look at that. Oh, I'm sure no one else made and those. And those things. were those were like platinum back during 94 when we had the oh, crime bill. Oh, the band. Yeah. Because we, we stopped producing the P13 at that time. All right. So you guys just forget I have these with your sticky fingers. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, here's some more. Headcorn Coke Defense Inc. Rear Sight Complete MP7 Made in Germany. Quantity 1. Oh, yeah. Just in case you blow this off. Yeah, because you never know. That's some recoil. I mean, we got a (laughs) 26-grain bullet coming out of there to about 8,000 feet a second. (laughs) Look at this. Uh, This is probably... I don't know who would have sent me this, y'all, or John Clements. That has got to be... That's a... It's a butt pad? For the MP7, isn't it? I don't, or is that, so I don't even know what that is now. like it. No, it looks very different. I don't think so. It, it appears to be for one of the roller lock bolt guns, if you look at these other parts in there. So this is the rarest thing H&K ever made, so if anybody wants to buy it, just hit me, slide them DMs. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the, the rubber part is. I mean, it appears to be a butt pad, but. Ooh. Universal US, Service Pistol. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Oh, this is the old pre or post band, the fifteen rounder. Oh, wow. not that bullshit ten rounds. Oh, <laughs> that's a ten bullshit ten rounds. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so horrible. <laughs> so yeah, ten rounder for the metal mag. Why'd they go with the metal mag on those guns? Do you know, as opposed to the pop? to to prevent from having to increase the size of the grip? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a mistake in the Glock currently. I think they should go to steel mag so you could get more rounds. I think they're. I think Shield well, Arms does it. They, yeah, I mean, they get more rounds anyway with the polymer mag. I mean, Glock. To be honest with you, they did it better than HK. They did with oh, the polymer yeah. mags. Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's steel lined, isn't it? The the top Glock mags. Part. Okay, yeah. Yeah, originally Glock, like the first generation, is just like the feed lips, and then it's like the front and. Mm. There's several generations, but not the whole thing. Right. But it just takes up all the room they take putting polymer on there. If they just did steel, you could get and didn't do polymer, you could get more rounds in there. Mm. But you're right. I mean, but what you're saying is with they had smaller mags that held just as many rounds. They did a better job, I think, with their magazines than we did. And and did this oh yeah, so this is a PSP, PSP. mag. So the oh. European mag release the deal is there and on the U.S. ones, there's something here, isn't there? A catch here? Correct. Yeah, yeah for the uh, the paddle release. Mm-hmm. So much neat little things. Um, you Speaking of the USP, we started to talk about it, and then we said we'll save it for here. Um, oh, yeah. But 
when we were looking through this book, you brought up that the USP was an HKUSA, or it wasn't it wasn't specifically HKUSA, but it was a, a derivative, or it came from the Mark Twenty Three. There, there, well, they, they, there was parallel development between the Mark Twenty Three and the USP design, which was originally forty cal. It was the 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 first prototype of the USP was designed in 40 caliber. Ugh. That way we made it easy to do a nine millimeter. That's smart. Yeah. Everybody else did it the other way around. No, from an engineering standpoint, that's yeah. smart. Absolutely. I mean, they should have all made their 45 guns, 40 probably, but they wanted them small. Because, yeah. you know, I don't know with the USP, but doing it that way, the USP 40 probably lasts a long time. But like a Glock 22 compared to a 17? Agree. Agree. I mean, it's got a quarter of the lifespan. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. I've been on in, in many... Uh, government test where mm-hmm. I was competing against Glock and their 40 cal or their heavier caliber pistols other than nine millimeter never did as well as nine. Yeah. As nine. Yeah. Yeah. They did really well with that gun. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, but, but to answer your question, yeah. the USP was the first HK pistol designed specifically from input from the U S market. Damn. So, so was it, I always assumed it was designed like everything else for like the German police. Was it just the USP design for the U.S. market? That was the genesis of the USP design. There was a, a joke that many of the Germans told me that said USP actually stands for United States Pistol. <laughs> so they didn't like it because it was an idea from America. Well, it depends on who over there you talk to. Because <laughs> yeah, right. a lot of those guys realize you guys are the biggest market in the world. We need to have your input. Yeah. Not everybody over there felt That's that way. Cool. You ever seen this? The cloner's dream right here. I've not. So Knights has that great vertical grip. Advanced Armament did one. H&K, typical H&K. So this is not all plastic. No. You have an aluminum piece here that locks into the rail. Uh-huh. And I'm sure if I had my glasses on, I could see it's got some H&K mark on it. Oh, mm-hmm. I think right here that makes this thing worth $1,027. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. You know, it's like I've probably thrown these away before. I bet it's well. So I know the Knights one is. You, you let him hold that so he get excited. The Knights one's like ninety <laughs> bucks. So this has got to be what one twenty or something. Uh, I don't know what HK would charge, but I'm sure it was double. But um, this one's thicker. I like that. But <laughs> but well, that's nah. German plastic. Yeah, German plastic. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So here's the the forty. There it is. The forty cal ten millimeter. I don't know what Gen magazine is this. Can you remember? That's I'm, that's the current. What the funny thing is. Internally, MP7 was an internal designation. Once we finally released it to the market, it started out as A1, which didn't make sense to me. Yeah. We never released a not a, a, right. a not a, a previous version of the MP7. Yeah, it's like the M, the MR556 that that initially went to the market as A1. I'm like, okay, why are you calling it A1 if there's no right. pre A1 predecessor? Yeah, you know all that stuff is. What was the gun earlier? I was thinking about. It's an M. Something mili- oh the uh, M uh nineteen eleven no what's the Marine Corps gun we're talking about M twenty seven I A R so why is it the M twenty seven if it's the Marine Corps was that adopted by the Army or something don't they use M and the the Navy and so the Marines use well no I guess it's the M forty so just the Navy uses Mark Navy That's, uses Mark yeah correct I get so confused with all the well, military it make and sense the branches be, because the Marines are Department of the Navy so uh, it should be yeah correct. that's why it came to my mind earlier because yeah. they because they use and then this is an A one but the Navy always uses mod O mod one right. and the Army uses A right. whatever right. Correct. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they it all up. It's hard. I can't remember any of these acronyms. You know, that's why I named the Honey Badger the Honey Badger. I couldn't remember what they were calling right. our own gun. I'm like, yeah. I, like man, everything, you guys stop. Because it's like I go into meetings with them and everything's a fucking acronym. And I'm like, I don't even understand what y'all are saying. Yeah. You know, like we're doing the JDP over on range, you know, 256. And, you know, I'm just like, what, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the army did the they did they were doing block for a while too, like, really? like when the yeah the SOCOM when the SOCOM like overhaul package came out Just so you got like block never. one block two block three whatever I don't ever pay attention to anything and then the navy's mod yeah it's great yeah, yeah like mark nineteen mod three right yeah yeah because John Clements actually named the three hundred blackout like the honey badger the MPW for multi purpose weapon and it was actually the predecessor to the honey badger and so then it was. Another acronym with something else for the honey badger, and I'm just like, 
I couldn't even honestly remember the name to our own gun. So yeah. I just make up nicknames for everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy because like the same gun. So like the uh, like the Mark 18. Mark 18 is Mark 18 for one branch, but it's the CQBR like mod whatever for another branch. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, see, because they even get Mark 18 and Mark 12 confused all the time. Yeah, Mark 12 yeah. is a cooler one. Uh, yeah, yeah, the Mark 18. But the Mark 18 was cool because that's what started, hey, you know, short like the barrel. Navy starts using those short barrels again. Correct. And then you get the four six, the 416. Yeah. yeah. With that, I guess we're going to skip all over the place. Did, um, how many like 416s did you sell domestically? Like not, well, I mean, I guess it well, none, none, none commercially. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah but to police departments buy them, federal agencies and stuff. Police departments did not buy as many as the military um, during my tenure at HK. Yeah. Because the military realized, I mean, it was, it was much more specific. That's, that was the, that was how it began life with special operations. Yeah. Law enforcement agencies never had the requirements that those guys had. So yeah, we for have them to look ammo, at a, a $1,600 AR platform versus a, you know, when you look at bottom of the barrel on Smith or right. I don't know wherever, where you could buy one for 500 bucks, it was a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say yeah. the budget was probably the big thing. Exactly. Historically, not yeah. the highest spenders. And, yeah, they're not going to go do a real reliability test where your SOCOM no. customers bring you there and embarrass you if your gun's not exactly. <laughs> yeah. well i mean yeah. think about the average the average police officer probably shoots 100 rounds a year if that yeah yeah so, yeah so the, the requirements were completely yeah. different you know yeah oh so what what were all the differences okay so those are all made in germany correct and correct. imported mr mr 556s yes i'm, I'm oh, sorry no, i'm sorry 416 four and the 417s but the mr what on the MR series, whether 7.62 or 5.56, were made in Germany? Um, all of the bolt parts, bolt parts yeah. were made in Germany. Uh, the handguards came from Germany. Um, essentially, all of the parts, with the exception of the barrel mm-hmm. and the lower receiver. All of the individual parts came from Germany. Oh, really? So yeah. the barrel and lower receiver. So the upper receiver is a German upper receiver. The upper receiver came from Germany uh, because it was the same as... Why didn't they put German barrels on them? They couldn't. The barrels had to be produced in the U.S. for the, for an ATF requirement. Oh, so we brought in the barrel blanks, which was just oh. a standard. Oh, it, okay. it had the, the chamber... Okay. And the, and the board. It's a hammer forged barrel. It was a hammer forged barrel. So and, and HK does fixed. the... Ch- uh, sorry. That's it, okay. Go ahead. What you say? No, uh, the 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 barrel was finished in the U.S. by okay. Daniel Defense at the time. <laughs> so so um, but but they're hammer forged with the chamber and the rifling at the same time. That was that was the standard barrel production. <sighs> it's the way to do yeah, it. Yeah. I don't know. People here just are idiots. They <clears throat> should do that because that chamber concentricity to the bore. Woo, that's, yeah. That's why you, I, you're shooting those little groups oh, at yeah. six hundred. And I'm sure you know that a lot of companies, they may forge the bore, yeah, but right. then they ream the chamber, they drill yeah, the chamber. Yeah, but yeah, when you do it all at one time, the strength of that barrel is exceptional. And, and yeah, because the mandrel have the chamber and the rifle. It has it. everything. So, so then everything is absolutely concentric. Correct. To where if you cut them, there's always a tolerance. And the chamber's a little off, and those Correct. barrels never shoot as well. So when people hammer forge and they cut the chambers, I think they're morons. I don't even get it. I have no idea why. Someone here does that. Not here at this table. Sig does that? At least they they were when I was there. So dumb. They do. They hammer forge the blanks, and then they turn them down. Because, you know, it's... Yeah, because it's consistency. Like, you can get somebody, like, if... You know, you, you get someone who... A machinist that's doing that, and he's particular about everything, and he can get close a lot. Maybe a lot of his barrels shoot really good. You get some other Yahoo that's just going to hit the tolerance. And, you know, so when you're cutting the chambers as opposed to doing an all-in-one thing, you might get some barrels that shoot great. You're like, oh, my gun shoots great. You're stupid. Right. But you lay 100 of them out and go shoot. It ain't going to be the same as if they're all forged no. in. Mm. And that's the thing no. that I think people don't necessarily understand when you're manufacturing on that scale. When something goes wrong, in the, I mean, all those machines, most of those machines don't just have one part in them. So when something goes wrong, it goes wrong quick, and it goes wrong a lot. Sure. 
And it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to catch all of those too. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, we're even at the size now, as small as we are, to where it's much cheaper for me to spend more on the proper process and doing it up front than mm-hmm. it is to get guns back or have to replace a thousand of something. Sure. And when you're a small business, it it's hard to see that. But once it gets into like tens of millions of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, like you got a million dollars in barrels sitting on the shelf that mm-hmm. you're, you know, building yeah. guns with. And if all those are screwed, whoo, it's just cheaper to spend the extra 12 bucks on the barrel and do it right the first time. And, and you I don't want to necessarily have those <coughs> barrels out there. But, you know, some companies look at it from a standpoint of, Okay, there is a market somewhere for these barrels. People that don't necessarily need this higher standard, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's just, you know, I always talk about it, Knights and H and K. It's like that's who I'm trying to be. Like I ain't trying to be Daniel Defense or Smith and Wesson. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't have any interest in that. And you know, you got to pay to play. I sure, mean, that, that's absolutely. what you realize. And yeah. it's so. I mean, especially for us. I mean, we think about right now. We we just had a little plunger, an issue with. Um, the plunger for the takedown pins in our gas guns mm-hmm. so the sugar weasel and the honey badger and so i got i don't know probably a million bucks two million dollars worth of guns sitting there waiting on a six cent part wow it, you know but it's like well we're not gonna send it out with this like bullshit plunger sure. we, we gotta get the right thing yeah and we went through that issue with the mag catch too for a while yeah and that was like i mean it like you said it stops guns from being shipped so and it costs millions. Right. And then you get five people doing, go, like putting their energy into that and saying, we need to get it taken care of ASAP. So they're not working on designing a new gun. Or yeah. It, it is so funny to me when people, because, you know, you see it all the time. The internet just breeds the, the know-it-all hater morons. And, oh, well, you know, the honey badger is just, or the fix, that's just for people that want to flex on IG and think they're cool. They charge $3,000 for an AR. It's like, we have about three parts that are interchangeable with an AR now yeah. at this point. And, you know, the problem is, you know, I talked about on previous podcasts, you know, Wayne, when you were a kid too, and like going to work at H and K, what's there like three people in America making bolts and bolt carriers and they're all mill spec. Exactly. And I think we took that for granted when you and I were sure. young. Now it's like every asshole with a machine shop, you know, makes a bolt. It works in most gun. You know, it's that mentality. It's like, well, okay. So that, you just can't do that anymore because exactly. mill mil specs, it doesn't mean anything anymore because they all lie about it. It's bullshit. Right. Yeah. And so that's where, where now, whether it's the honey badger, and there's basically, like, we're not even using the mag catch anymore. We're doing our own mm-hmm. mag catch. Mm-hmm. You know, and that costs, I buy a, a mill spec mag catch, and now it's like half of them are good, half of them aren't. But it's like, that's probably a $4 part. Well, for me to make my own mag catch is like $27. Sure. But it's correct. Correct. And so a customer never has a problem. We don't fail them in QC. I don't have our assembly people putting them together, then QC checking them, and then them having to take them apart and go find another one. It's, I mean, these are the things that you pay for. Sure. And, and I realize now when I was a kid, I thought, man, HK is awesome. But, geez, i got to make a lot of money. It's so expensive. You know, as you get older and you do this or you own a company that you're aspiring to be like that, you understand why HK is always more expensive. Yeah, I, I had that conversation with people for the longest time. I mean, I even talked to people at other companies, whether it be Smith or Ruger, wherever, and we were talking about manufacturing in general. And I was amazed by some of the stuff that I heard. Like, not every company test fires their guns, 100% of their guns. You, you know what's so crazy? <laughs> like, you say that, I got a DM this week and a guy wanted to return his gun. He bought one of our, it was one of the gas guns, a honey badger probably. And it was dirty when he got it. And he's afraid that the shop opened it before him and shot it. And he wants to return it and us to inspect it and clean it and return it to him. Or he wants a different gun. And he's like, it's ridiculous for a gun to show up dirty. And it's like, well, can you send me a picture of it? And it's like, the gun's been test fired. And, it was shocking to him that we fire every gun. You know, it's yeah. just like there's so many new people yeah. into guns. It's like, of course we fire every gun. Yeah. Like every gun gets test fired and all those gas guns get shot with super and subsonic ammo. Like uh, we test fire our stuff. Yeah. Well, not just test fire, but every single gun coming off of the HK factory, at least when I was there, had a ma- one complete magazine test fired through it and two proof rounds 
every, every single gun. gun. There's a reason they shot two proof rounds in case the first one did any damage. Hmm. There was a method to their madness. I mean, that alone, what you just said, adds a hundred dollars to cost your gun. Right. Basically. Yeah. I mean, because we don't shoot proof rounds in every gun, yeah. but we shoot proof rounds in, you know, selected lots of barrels or sure. whatever it is. Um, but every gun gets fired. We don't fire a full magazine. Yeah, I yeah, know, yeah. I don't know when the gas guns what we fire now. We probably uh, fire ten rounds. I, I think, don't know. Yeah, it's yeah. I think it's ten. Yeah, but it's, and they it's, alternate it's super and sub, and we shoot because our stuff's designed to be shot with a silencer. Sure. So we shoot them with a silencer. So then too, you know, the muzzle device gets a little dirty. But I mean, they clean them after. Right. But it's like you could still tell the gun's been fired. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, even down to people will email about. Um, they're like, I can tell my stock was was a. Uh, like actuate or uh, put in and out and it's like you had you, like witness marks on or something just like oh like it, it you can tell it rubbed or something yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah and it's like well our guys shot them all like well why did they need to touch the stock well we also QC, we also qc the stocks to make sure it locks up like, right and then too you know with us just clear anodizing and the receivers being light sure every little piece of carbon stands out on it to where if the receivers are black like all your guns are testified, you know, if it's Colt or sure. HK or whoever, you just don't necessarily see it because yeah. they're black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is interesting. The commercial, I, it had to be frustrating at H and K because, like, you're either dealing with, you know, SEAL Team Six or you're dealing with, you know, uh, you know, Richard the Insurance Guy that starches <laughs> yeah. his shirts and drives yeah. a Ferrari and wants to show off to all his friends. Yeah. This has a scratch on it. Well, like, the, I've had somebody uh, uh, want me to. They wanted to buy a gun that we did not test fire, that was no, never been shot. No. I was like, yeah, well, I blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't know what he said. He probably said he'd pay a premium or something. I was like, have liability insurance, yeah. asshole. Like, this isn't for you to, like, exactly. show off to your other rich friends. Yeah. Like, exactly. we build tools. Yeah. Well, yeah. one thing that, not even necessarily the podcast to talk about it, but we get emailed. Recently, we've got a bunch of people being like, hey, I'm shooting subs and my gun's not cycling. And Jenna will go, are you shooting over the can? I go, no. Like, so why are you doing that? Why are people shooting subsonic rounds with no can and it's not cycling? Why are you shooting a subsonic round with no can? And, you know, and we also have an adjustable gas block. It will, yeah. yeah, exactly. If that's what you want to do, well, it should operate from the factory. Uh, yeah, it does. Subs and supers. And we shoot them all with a can. So either shoot supers or put a silencer on it yeah. or open the gas block right. where you can be ridiculous and shoot subsonic ammo without a silencer. Uh, I just don't Wayne. understand that. People spend money on subsonic ammo to shoot it with well, no can. Well, I remember years ago, there were people that were shooting police departments that were shooting subsonic ammunition through MP5 SDs and claiming that there was an issue with the lethality. Oh, yeah, yeah, we, you're, you're absolutely right. Them. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, we yeah. talked in the last podcast about it, how, yeah, it's developed. There was 124 and 115 grain ammo, where I keep talking about that brochure that I've got somewhere that I'll find on our next podcast, where it talks about like 170 or 80 grain 9 millimeter ammo. It's because the barrel wasn't, you know, going to be poured. It was ported. Ported. yeah. So and, it's reducing the velocity about 200 feet per second. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, and it is one of those things. If you're shooting a borderline, like something's just going supersonic, you shoot through that gun, it's like shooting someone with a three eighty. You know, yeah. it was part of the reason to develop the Honey Badger was, you know, there it is like 60 years later. But it's like, well, you know, at the time and when they developed it, but the gun weighs eight or eight and a half pounds and it's a nine millimeter. If you're shooting 115, 124 grain ammo, you're really just shooting a heavy 380 at somebody. So right. if somebody's got heavy winter clothing on, you're shooting them at 70 meters. Yeah, yeah. it ain't like shooting them with a rifle, my man. Um, yeah, that was it, – it's it's amazing. Like, that gun is still so iconic. But, you know, we tried to get with the Honey Badger down to one MOA at 100 with subsonic. Mm -hmm. And we failed. We didn't get there. But part of that was the projectile that SOCOM purchased. Sure. Um, but the guns still shoot great. Like I bet every honey badger with decent subsonic ammo is under two MOA and I would love for it to be better, but it's like, Hey, the whole goal was to replace the MP five SD that shoots like six to nine MOA. Exactly. I'm pretty uh, sure the M four standard is four, four. You're yeah. right. You're right. People yeah. forget that. People are like, why is my gun not shooting sub exactly. MOA? I'm like, do you know what you're holding, sir? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That's, um, dealing with the military. What was more? 
what was more difficult to deal with when you're the president of H and K? The uh, military or a commercial customer? Commercial by far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I took pride in that. I mean, there were many times where uh, commercial customers would escalate an issue. You know, go to the the guy, the manager of the repair department, or manager of com- uh, commercial ser- uh, commercial customer service, rather. Yeah. And I took pride in that. I was like, give me the guy's number. I'll call him. So I would call him, and the guy would be like, so what do you do at HK? I'm, like, I'm the president. And I'm like, tell me what your problem is. I want to solve it. He'd be like, are you for real? I'm like, yeah, tell me what's going on. That's cool. But I, I took pride in that. I wanted to get involved and make sure that they knew that we took them seriously. Everybody, no matter where they work, who they were. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm a bit more of an asshole. <laughs> I, well, I appreciate all the customers, um, but it is amazing. And, and I don't know if it's just like raising or the internet or Amazon, like what causes some of the attitude. <clears throat> but I've called customers before when they're having a problem. And generally they can be like cursing at the customer service person. And I'll call and it's easy to settle it. You know, it's like, hey, what can I do for you? But it's also like I will fire your ass as a customer. Yeah, like if yeah. you want to be unreasonable, like we'll do anything that's reasonable to satisfy. But you know, you get those customers sure. you can't kind of satisfy well, no yeah, matter what. Absolutely, yeah, I, I've been there too. You know, but you always want to protect your guys if they're you know yeah. preaching the, the the company line. I'm like, okay, I don't want them cursing at you. If they're going to curse somebody, curse at the top of the line. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm happy to talk to them. That's they awesome. didn't have the same attitude with me that they did with somebody else. But I'm like. Dude, you made it to the top of the hill. So, what's your, what's your beef? Yeah, well, I find too that it's it's um, the majority of our customer service is done by a lady at our place, and yeah. generally a different attitude, unfortunately, when they deal with a woman in that position than a really? man. Oh, yeah. I, I think it is. I think so too. Once they find out that it is, yeah. I mean, we've got well. I mean, as far as executive level at our company, you know, half the company's female. Really? Yeah, and. And, you know, they run a lot of our company, a lot of my life. And sure. so it, it, it's funny when they, you know, it'll be a problem at that level. Or not even a problem, but I remember recently we're purchasing a new ERP system. Yep. And it's like old school, like, you know, this old white man that thinks apparently women should be secretaries. <laughs> like he was refusing to kind of deal with them once it came to the purchase and when he started to deal with them wanted to speak to the man who was approving the purchase sure and you know we're talking about our general counsel is a woman and you know the head of finance is a woman director of (laughs) compliance yeah it's like all these key positions and it's like you idiot like why would you talk to women that way uh so i see that too well, it would be great if he talked to a guy and she said, I'm sorry. Well, maybe you should talk to my boss. Yeah, <laughs> it's a woman. Exactly. I know. Cause I was like, let me, like after the third call they had had and decided this was the company they wanted to go with. And they were telling me they're just venting to me. And, uh, they're like, we're gonna like, yeah, give him a piece of our mind. I was like, let me just talk to him. They're like, Oh hell no. <laughs> you know? Cause I would have been like, screw you you moron and they're like no this is the erp system we want we're just gonna like go above him and deal with someone else but it's it was crazy to me that you get that today still from it is but my philosophy was always you know i want to turn this guy around i mean obviously the the fact that he made it to my level he was pissed off with hk but when he got to me and i actually handled it i at least listened to the guy at my level maybe that changed his mind yeah, I think that was effective. I did a lot of that at AAC. I think now, I don't know if I take it for granted. I just don't have the time yeah, and don't yeah. want to engage everyone because I'm just of the mindset now. There's stuff that I want to accomplish in the company. From I think I realize like I'm getting old, yeah, yeah. and Ethan's even getting older, and there are product things that I want us to accomplish to me. You know, you always have to prioritize your life and with the company and all those things, and there's just... You know, I used to really want to make everyone happy at Advanced Armament, my old company. And now I just realize we only need a few percent of the people to be our customers. Yeah, yeah. And no matter how many people get frustrated or vent online or something, doesn't affect our sales. Sure. And if we're creating the best stuff. And I just had to prioritize in my mind, like, I want our company to grow and be successful and outlive me and, you know, leave some sort of legacy. Um you know, uh, for me and everybody that's working there on our team. 
but like I just kind of now try to stay hyper focused on sure the product and we only have so many more years that we're going to work. So how many more projects can we do? Sure. And that's more important to me. And maybe that's a little more of a read night philosophy. I don't know, but that's how I feel at the moment. You know, when I was young, I thought, Oh, you know, I got to take care of everyone. It's going to be a hundred years and you know, I'll be doing this and you get older. You're like, Ooh, tick tock. I don't have that much time. And <laughs> you know, you start trusting and just disseminating a lot of that stuff. Well, I kind of realized it was almost impossible to satisfy everybody to their level of satisfaction, no matter how good you treat them. Mm-hmm. I realized that wasn't possible when I had yes. kids. Somebody- oh, you had kids? <laughs> kids too. Oh, boy, that's a reality check, isn't it? <laughs> oh, you imagine having a little Jay and Thomas? Oh, my goodness. You too. Yeah, I know. I kind of do, don't I? I know. I raised my kids. Now I adopted you too. It's all right though. They're old enough to hit. Yeah, that's true. What else you got in your little notes over there, Jay? Let's stump Wayne on something. The uh, the old Bud Feeney brochure. Ooh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't find it. I looked for it this morning. I'm sure we'll post a picture now. I think yeah. we have before, actually. It's very easy to Google. Was was that the HK45 on the cover? It was SHOT Show. The catalog HK was handing out. Larry Vickers had retired. No, no that was a P30. P30, okay. That was, a, that was a P30, and that was about the time that HK split into two separate companies. I think it was about 2003 when HK That's Defense about the was right formed, time. and the commercial side of the business was handled. They were both handled by two separate entities to uh-huh. separate man- levels of management and uh you had people on the commercial side that simply didn't know the product very well as you could tell or at all the way that magazine was which loaded. is funny because bud feeney was in charge of that who worked with it sig who's a great guy i love bud feeney he was, a ton. Yes. but and you know it's weird it's like bud feeney is a gun dude Correct. like he's a world-class shotgun shooter like he is no rookie and they published and printed thousands of catalogs where the ammo is in the magazine backwards. And it's front and center. <laughs> yeah. It's not for the, the P30. What was more, what's funnier to me is like, I knew Larry from the army mm-hmm. and he was in an HK shirt and the whole uniform at shot show. <laughs> and I walk in there and he's the one that handed me the catalog and was basically like, look at this fucking shit. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's the one I yeah, still we, have. We showed up at shot show. With those magazines. That's where with I those, got it. Yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. were in the thing giving them yeah. out. And Larry handed me that one's like. Well, I'm, I'm going to leave his name out of it. But there was a, gra- a guy that was in charge of the commercial side of the business at the time who apparently didn't QC the magazine for his side of the business. I mean, if that was a defense magazine, you knew Jim and I would have been all over that. But yeah, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that, that was pretty funny. That's like a pretty famous one with H. Oh, I just thought goodness. I was just thinking of like who the. The person that lo- it's probably some kid that loaded the mag. Some that- photographer that's anti-gun. Oh, I figured it was gun. just someone who was young in the in the and mag had been yelled at for something earlier in the day and was like, "I'm not going to ask about this." Because hey, well, where does this go? And then get yelled at against. They're probably uh, just like, "I think it goes this way." But how many sets of eyes looked at that before they realized that that, that was well, wrong? That's the thing. That's One too few. Yeah. True. True. But that's the thing. That's. I mean, if you, you guys did that, you talk about third strike, Thomas. <laughs> Woo! Woo! I'd be hot. You see, it's hard. That's why you need so many pairs of eyes because you see something, the same thing so many times a day. Well, those you're eyes miss it. You're right used about to that. be those eyes used to be me and Jim's. We would look at almost everything, even the commercial. Stuff. It was just one thing, really, back in the day. There was commercial, but it was really all the military. When stuff. it was one company, and we shared a lot of product on the defense side and commercial side, Jim and I would look at everything because even the guys on the commercial side, they just didn't have the experience that yeah. had idea to look at things like that. I mean, that. And Jim was just, he was so into it. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, to a yeah. ridiculous degree. But, I mean, yeah. it's even down to details that aren't necessarily, like, that's a function thing. But, like, I think we all see it. Like, if, if we see a photo with an AR and the dust cover's open, it makes me want to throw up. Like, yeah, just little things. Or, like, too. hey, your safety's off. Or what? just, like, random little things. Yeah. We know, okay, in the photo, it's fine. But Both of those things drive me crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll see, like, we have this rack. It'll hold 200 rifles when they're in process at work. And they're, you know, basically parallel with the ground. And when, they're, when there's fixes on there, 
so with the fixed rifle, the butt pad, you know, you could put on either way. Yeah. There's a cue on the back and it goes on one way. And I'll walk past the, I mean, probably half a dozen times in the last three or four years. I'll just walk past that rack. Like you and I could be doing a tour. I'll walk past it and I will see the one where somebody put it up. I'm like, how are you guys doing this? <laughs> like, I wasn't. Even, I was talking to him and fucking saw it. Yeah. How do you not see that that's upside right. down? Yeah, like oh, it drives me insane. Because All of that the, stuff. Because just in that day, they saw two hundred of them. All right, watching a movie on their phone while they're putting shit together. I don't know. Maybe I, don't know. I mean, if I were doing it, they'd half yeah. half of them would be upside down. Yeah. And and uh, early in my time at HK, when I first started, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have internet. Yeah. You know, every everybody's job was to stand in front of a whether it was a production line or whatever it was, and do their job. They just didn't have all these extra distractions. Again, yeah. cell phones, whatever, you know. Yeah. yeah, it is interesting. I mean, the attention to detail, though. Yeah. I mean, some people don't have it. I don't know. I'm sure that drives you crazy. Oh, and you too, probably, for that matter. Your attention to detail is really good. Yeah. Yeah, mine just naturally. But, it, I mean. Something I care about. It's mm. different, though, because I think before – like when you first started, if you saw, if you took a photo of an, a honey badger and the dust cover was open, I don't think it would have, like, I don't think it meant anything to you. <coughs> but I think now, if you were to take one, you would just be like, I got to shut it. Or whatever. Just because everyone around is like, shut the fucking dust cover. That's hopefully the culture you create, you yeah. know, to where you, you don't have that kind of stuff. Oh, man. Yeah. When we, yeah, I used to have to do all the brochures like that. Oh, we yeah. have like the, it's it's just Photoshop. There was no such thing, you know. It was just so limited on how you could do brochures and uh, the right. magazine ads and all the things. Everything, everything. You kids well, are spoiled. I think that that's something I've seen it recently. Where uh, some of this kind of stuff is coming back, whether it's it's advertisements in print and all that, but it's alarming that they don't have consultants. Like I've seen so many. Oh. I saw a photo recently. Um, Dude's all kitted up. Magazines are backwards in his plate carrier or whatever. Like he's a yeah. right-handed shooter in his magazine. Every are time, you know what I hate about that? I saw it at Shot Show too on some of the booths. Yeah, they all because I, you know, when I first started, I would do like the dress-up military pictures. We're faking it, you know. And if you got guys that that's who they were and they got their stuff and they want to do it, that's cool for me. I like just authentic now. Yeah. But what I saw at Shot Show that drove me crazy were those pictures where. And they put it in black and white. And, try, where, and I don't even remember the booth. If I did, you know, I'd call them out. <laughs> but I saw two different times like that at SHOT Show where they had those pictures on the side of their booth, spent thousands of dollars, and they're, they're using pistol guns with pistol braces. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, posed military pictures, and I'm just like, yeah. I hate this company <laughs> now. I even, would never buy anything. Anytime we fly anywhere, like even now, we'll just SBR anything. Anytime we go anywhere, whether it's an event or content, whatever, we don't even bring pistols anymore. We just SBR everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Hey, do you know what? the um, When I first really got into guns and learned what H&K was, I remember my local gun store had an HK sticker on the door, big one, their HK dealer. Some men don't. In a world of compromise, some men don't. Then HK gave in <laughs> and changed it to in a world of compromise, some don't. I bet that was Wayne Weber changed that. <laughs> Trying to be all politically. PC police. I know over here. That was long before me. Oh. Yeah. We actually had a woman that worked in law enforcement sales before I started at HK. Yeah. Again, law enforcement sales, a woman. And she did a fairly good job. I mean, but she worked primarily with dealers. The dealers kind of did a lot of the... Was she the one that was upset about that and they had to change it? I don't know if it was her or if it was a lawyer. I'm not sure. We should blame them both. (laughs) Man, we should find some of those Some Men Don't stickers, though, because now... That is so... There are plenty around. I still see uh, them. That's a cool one. In a world of compromise, some men don't. And it's like, well... (laughs) You can still find t-shirts with that on. I would love... Maybe I'll just print them until HK sends me that cease and desist. Yeah. Aiden will print them. They're just going to go after him. Oh, I could. Yeah. They'll, yeah. They'll go after him. Get Aiden. Little, little bootleg like, HK shirts in there. Yeah. Give him some street cred. Yeah. Or you could change the logo. In a world of compromise, some men load the magazine properly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Some men don't. What's HK's slogan now? I don't know. We're too good for you. Yeah. I think I, they've shortened it substantially. Yeah, I think to, it's shortened to no compromise. No compromise. Yeah. yeah. It makes oh, sense. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Better yeah. than SIGs. SIGs changed from 
it was uh I think it's never settled now or something. Yeah. Now it's never settled, but before it was when it counts or something like that. Or maybe that maybe it I was when it counts. Yeah. Never settle. I might have come up with that when we're doing the three twenty and we're talking about all the ads and uh, whoever, whether it was Andy York or Tom Taylor or some goober in marketing said, you never put negatives in your slogan. I remember somebody saying that to me and I was like, okay, well, I guess they got yeah. their masters in marketing. Yeah. And, uh, Tom Taylor was at sick. He is now. Yeah, He's yeah. the one that came up when they copied the fixed rifle and they did the cross. Oh yeah. He came yeah. up with this whole marketing campaign and it's hunt like a warrior. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, Tom, you should have fucking retired before you did that one. Cause I'm going to make fun of you till the day you're gone. For I that. remember when he was a Smith and Wesson and then yeah. Mossberg. Mm. Ugh. No compromises. No compromises. That's good. Oh, that's HK. Yeah. What else? What you got on your list, H and K wise? We talked about a lot of it. I know. But Wayne's here right now. Oh the last thing that I see that we didn't even touch was uh fluted chambers. You wow. talked about it, but but you didn't talk about it. So World War Two wait, did any of you guys investigate this? World War Two ends. All the German engineers and scientists disappear. Yes. Miraculously. Yeah. They're and here Hitler is still in Argentina, so we're going looking for him in July. Yeah, and some of them go to Spain. They start developing guns. Some of them come here, start NASA, all over the place. Yeah, NASA. Yeah, thank you, Germany. Yeah. NASA's cool. We <laughs> develop Velcro and all kinds of cool shit. Yeah. Velcro is right down the road. Oh, the company? Yeah, it's in Rochester. Did not know or Dover or something. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so the set me rifle. So that's where the G three comes from. That's Correct. the first HK gun. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we bought the rights. HK bought the rights to the set me. That's a scam, man. They were running a double whammy. The mm-hmm. Germans, they pretend to be Spanish. They sell it back to Germany. <laughs> so um, so do that, the G3. So what's the fluted chamber all about? A way to optimize extraction. Explain, and, Wayne. And equalization on the case. Oh, that's smart. Oh, yeah, yeah. Get it all the way around that case, and then you can pull it out real easy. Exactly. Got all that pressure going on its chamber. You're pulling on one side. Mm, There was a point where you were talking about some of the old HK videos. There was a HK video sometime back where a guy loaded a P7 pistol. He actually removed the extractor, loaded the pistol, fired it, and the the fluted chamber had enough pressure to extract the cases. That's so cool. Yeah. You may tell you another secret. Yeah. Ruger Mark One, Mark Two, II, Mark Three. Yeah. Take the extractor out, floats the case right out, ejects it. You know why on that one? No. Because it's a rimmed case, so you oh. get all that pressure on uh, it, like yeah. a cell. So all that gas barely gets around the case mm-hmm. in there, because you know twenty-two ain't held the same. Right. You know it gets there, hits that rim, pulls it out. So same thing there. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that with the fluted chamber, but it makes sense because you float it. Yeah, you, so, you float that and case. And it was scaled. The P seven nine millimeter G three seven six two, Big Daddy mm. HK GMG forty millimeter fluted chamber. Really? Yes, sir. It was necessary. It was just it's helpful, and you guys were good at it. Well, that was a completely different system, also. Yeah, but it, but it aided in extraction as much as you needed it. They have a steel barrel. It was a steel barrel, oh. but it used advanced primary ignition, so the bolt never really locked forward. As the bolt was in the process of moving forward, that was when the primer was ignited, and then it started moving backwards. So it started moving backwards assist. as it was going forward. That's cool. Yeah. Do you think, um, is the fluted chamber necessary in the MP5, 9 mil? I don't think it's necessary because you have an extractor. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's this one of the things that causes that, system to operate so smoothly do you think it allows you like in the mp5 sd to be able to shoot more rounds without cleaning absolutely without doubt yeah Yeah. i agree with that so is the extractor is the extractor the same it's just less it's easier for the extractor to grab onto it or is it yeah it's not the only thing doing all the work because when you flute the chamber and and when correct me if i'm wrong but the gas comes in the chamber in those flutes. Right in it. So it doesn't allow, and since it's all the way around, doesn't allow the case to expand. Oh. And so you're reducing the friction. So it basically helps to... Yeah, it, slide it out. Yeah. So, it, so it's it, like having a lubricated chamber. Exactly. It keeps the case from over-expanding. Right. Yeah, did you know in the Browning um, 
B-A-R. Have you guys ever seen the original Max? No. I don't think so. The Browning B-A-R. And uh, I need to find mine. I got to unpack my whole archive. I have so much cool shit that I forget about. Um, I have these original B-A-R mags. This mag, I don't know. It may be like worth the most out of anything I've got. Probably not. But anyway, it's uh, the sides of the mag are cut out. Probably like 80% of it. Big Mm -hmm. rectangle. And then there is a there is a little thing welded onto the mag that uh, basically creates this little pocket on each side, and it's a piece of felt in there that's about an eighth inch thick, and it's soaked in oil. Is it lubricating the mag? It lubricates all the rounds in the mag, so oh, it so feeds it. So it feeds easier, extracts easier, and so the fir- but you know that's like a water cooled machine gun. It's right. like. A water-cooled machine gun is totally cool because you shoot till the end of time. Like Hiram Maxim right. did a demo. He did a 45-minute belt. If you keep the barrel cool, if you got a water source, you keep it cool, you can do that. You, I mean, you know and I know you can't do that if you're not cooling the barrel. And it's kind of the same thing with that. It allows you to shoot longer with the gun being dirty. Because, mm. you know, I know Robert Hurt that used oh, to work yeah. at HK, yeah. then SIG. So the kid at SIG, Adam Agri, who he taught – to do demos and everything, the international demos, they would keep an oily cloth in their pocket and put all the rounds in there. And when they were doing the sand test and the dirt test, it's probably like a Robert Hurt HK trick. You put those rounds in there and you got them all oil and you pull them out, load your magazine, you throw the gun in the dirt, you pick it up, and that's how you're able to do it. Yeah, because you know they're going to do their own testing, but you want to do a demo where other guns will fail. Because you know it's all dog and pony. It's all bullshit, you know, slide of hand. But that's another trick. You oil the rounds up if you want them to feed. Like all the Russian steel case 22 ammo for biathlons. I'm going on all kinds of tangents. I'm just remembering all this gun shit that I know. (laughs) So it's all – so the Russian biathlon ammo is all steel for some reason. Either – I don't think it was just because it was cheap. But it's all packed in wax and oil. Mm. And when you load the mags, like when the guns are all frozen and everything, and it's like the guns will function better with that. Um, so many tricks. So many yeah, tricks. But yeah. the original BR mags are that way. So that's kind of like the fluted chamber, but yeah. it's so much lower maintenance. You, but you just got to cut the fucking chamber, which right. is hard to do. So sure. how did HK do this? EDM? It was EDM, yeah. 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 They've always done EDM on the chambers. Yeah, they probably had EDM for the rest of the world. Probably developed in Germany. Where, sure. where was electro discharge machining developed, Thomas? Electronic dance music. Yeah, it's pretty good too. We need a DDR at and the uh, office, and we should have when we do the next like mystery shirt giveaway. We have everybody else in the office competing on that behind <laughs> us. Be so gr- I would be so horrible at that. I know Wayne, you much of a dancer? I try. You do? Oh, I bet I you're good. Yeah, I, I like the slow dance with this smile, man. No kidding. <laughs> Wayne be getting girls pregnant on the dance floor. Woo. Um, I know. We get this DDR and it'll probably, I'll probably make fun of Jane. He'll be the greatest dancer ever. Milan? Oh, Italy. Italy, yeah. Makes right. sense. They've been making like shit yeah. barrels and stuff. Like good yeah. attention to detail. Shotguns. All right, good job, Tom. Um. Yeah, yeah, but that's about the only way to do it. It's funny you're talking about some of the tricks doing demonstrations when we had the banana. Yeah, I bet guns. you were a tricky motherfucker. I tried, you know. I, I learned a lot of stuff from Jim. You know? <laughs> yeah. When we he taught me how to properly lubricate and prepare a gun for yeah. a demonstration to include lubricating the magazine. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But, take uh, that follower out, lube oh, the mag body, the follower spring, everything. But the other thing I remember was when we demoed the Benelli shotguns, mm-hmm. we would try to say that it was the fastest cycling shotgun. We would shoot five rounds, and the first ejected shell, the last round you fired would go off before the first ejected shell would hit the ground. So we would just angle it. (laughs) (laughs) So that it hit a higher trajectory. Fucking cheaters. That's so smart, though. (laughs) Dude, who was that old dude that was always doing the Benelli demos, and he died Uh, a few years ago? Well, there were a couple of them. When I first started at HK, the, the demonstration shoot was a guy by the name of John Satterwhite. Several years later, it was a guy named Tom Knapp. I think that's the guy Tom I'm thinking Knapp. of. He died. He, not Tom Knapp ago. died recently. Yeah, dude, he could. That old dude could he, shoot a he was shotgun. Amazing. amazing. He had a he had a specially configured shotgun, Benelli shotgun that held nine shots, mm-hmm. and he had the world record. He could shoot at the time. He could hit nine hand thrown clay pigeons 
was just insane. Yeah. You had to throw them so that they all separated. Yeah, and high enough. Each I, one with a shot. Yeah, a yeah. separate shot. I, I couldn't throw nine clay pigeons and just shoot nine shots. That before was they half hit of the, the demo right there, throwing it so that the nine clays separated. That had to sell all of the guns. It was. It did. I was gonna it, say. It was, I knew it that was name, amazing. I knew that name, Tom Knapp. Mm-hmm. Growing up, I had seen him on like the Outdoor Channel or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He was those, always on there. Yeah, yeah, doing those. Yeah, those things. Yeah. Now, Satterwhite did some amazing demos, too. I remember. I don't really remember him. He would demonstrate the Benelli shotguns. Again, he had his customized guns, but this guy was just amazing. He would do this thing called playing golf, where he would throw a golf ball up. He would say, sometimes on a bad day, I hook it. He would hit it on this side. Oh, I do know him. I've seen these. Threw it up, hit it on this. Sometimes I slice it. He'd hit it that way, but on a good day, and hit it right there. That thing would go like 400 yards straight out. Yes, I've seen seen his demos. I've seen that demonstration. With a shotgun? Yeah. With a shotgun. With Benelli shotgun. So he could, yeah, just hit this Just edge it. He knew the he knew the patterns. It's it's amazing. Man, I've said it before on here. I would, oh, all that old like um shooting demonstrate you know winchester would have a team that yeah, would travel the, around the country you know, like buffalo bill cody's like at oh his, yeah at his stuff yeah Annie I mean, Oakley? Annie Oakley, yeah oh i mean you imagine her she would take washers and put a stamp on each side ride on a horse standing up on a like who can do uh, that anyway yeah on a with a 22 and they would throw those in the air and she, she could throw through, through the center and there was the record she set where they had wood blocks that were like two inches by two inches or four by four or something and she would ride on a horse standing up, and they would throw those, and she shot like 4,100 of them in a row without missing. Jeez. Something like, I mean, just like the stuff that some so of those people could do. Where were they shooting at? Because what, they're Knapp, shooting inside of a town at the ground oh and buildings. Yeah. Well, Tom Knapp had this one part of his demo. This was before he started HK, but he would use a twenty two rifle. He would throw up an aspirin, and he would shoot. I've seen that. On, rifle. I saw yeah. that on, that, uh, oh, on yeah. that stuff, yeah. I saw one the other day, a dude with a bow. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 He would use those flat tips. Well, he he like had I, the one I saw the other day. He would be at like twenty five yards or whatever. Yeah. And he would let water drop, and he would shoot a drop of water in the air That's with insane. an arrow. Like, I've seen that from where he threw it up with the, or he had his wife throw it up too, and he shoot it with twenty two. That's amazing. But I, but I think I told you. I don't know if I covered this in my last time. MP five ten millimeter and forty cal. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite guns ever like to demonstrate. Too. High impulse and low impulse ammunition for that gun. We would use one magazine, a 30 round magazine, just like this, full of high impulse ammo, like 170 grain normal, doing like 1600 feet mm. per second. One with low impulse ammo. The Winchester Subsonic, I've got. Yeah, some, like yeah. 180 grain doing 950. And one with those same two types of ammunition, three rounds of each, alternated, three high, three low throughout the magazine. We would load the low impulse magazine. In the gun and shoot the normal cadence, you know, a few single shots, a few bursts, and then finish up full auto. Same thing with high. Then we would load the mixed magazine. One trigger pull, all full auto, and you would get a zippering effect. (laughs) (laughs) It was awesome. Awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I used to like doing demos, too. You know, the first demo I ever did for the Army, like the big Army, it was kind of like, what was it? The Rangers at Benning. And it was when, uh, what was it? The whatever 109 SS something, the 556 ammo. SS109. Yeah, SS109. So we get there. They had been shooting that all day. Mm -hmm. And and they're shooting a steel target at 100 meters. The first shot with 300 blackout, the 9-inch barrel broke the target. Oh, my goodness. It's like you can't ask for a better demo. (laughs) You cannot ask. So then that's when they got all excited about a new PDW program. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a little gun that weighs like five pounds, everything, no recoil. And then that was even before we did the subsonic with the silencer and shot the target. But the first round of supersonic, I think it was the first round. Maybe it was the third. Anyway, the first, let's pretend it was the first round. First magazine. Was, no, it was definitely the first two or three rounds, yeah. but I think it was the first one. The target broke and fell apart wow. at 100 meters. You know, we got there in the afternoon. Like the right, demo yeah. was the next day. Oh, <laughs> it's like stuff like that happens. Oh it's yeah. Like, oh man, that's good living right there. <laughs> but yeah, showed the capability. Yeah, they're all God. Yeah, I forget all that stuff doing demos. And, and it was a lot of fun. We would always, you know, prep for demos, 
and uh, all of the gun companies would be out there. And one guy that I would always count on to, to kind of be friendly was Sal Finelli from FN. Yeah, yeah, well, Sal. And uh, so many times we would, I'd be sitting on the back of that old green Bronco that Jim and I used yeah. to have, load magazines, lubing guns, and Sal would come up, hey, you need help loading magazines? And I'd help him. But some of the other companies would be like, no, you're our adversary. You can't. Like, <laughs> That's Colt, the way I am. Yeah. Like, we're competing. <laughs> Colt was really bad about that, you know. Oh, was he? Oh, that was when he, Sal was at FN? Because he was that at was Colt Sal before was that. At, that was when Sal was at FN. Yeah. You know, you'd have guys at Colt, like maybe Rick DeMille or somebody, but they just, yeah. you know, there was always this this animosity, you know. Yeah. See, I like that to me. I mean, most people don't. But, Wayne, you're such a nice man. Like, I, <laughs> But I, I like confrontation and being an adversary. I mean, it just, it makes me competitive. I mean, it's like some character flaw I've got, but I don't really apologize. Well, I didn't necessarily want them to have a bad demo. I wanted them to have a good demo because <laughs> I, I felt like I'm going to outdo you anyway, you know? At well, least I want you to You did have work. the advantage with HK. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll finish it up. I want to ask some questions. We'll see how honest Wayne will be. I feel like Wayne's a very honest man, but of we'll course. see. What is the... What are the, what's the downside to the roller delayed system? The thirty three, the G three, the MP five. What's bad about it? I'm not. I'm not sure that there are a lot of downsides to it. Um, yeah. Well, I would say cost of manufacturing. Yeah, it's probably at the top of the list. Uh, aside from that, I can't really think of a lot of negative aspects of the roller delayed system. Yeah. Um, some people have a tendency to say a little bit more recoil than a gas system. What's the worst gun H&K ever made? <laughs> Off the top of my head, I would I probably have to say maybe UMP. Oh, I knew he was going to say the UMP. Mm. Wayne, Wayne's fucking real. Yeah.